after this, if we don't have water, we go to the Arizona State Legislature. I mean, listen, in the short term, the blame is on the city of Scottsdale because they have the opportunity to help their neighbors and they're not. It's really scary that we're even in this position. I, I can't believe the board of supervisors, Thomas Gallon, just dropped the ball like he did on us. Well, water's a luxury. We're like, um, no, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Our builder said yeah. that to us. We called our water hauler. It was like the day before Christmas. It was a week before New Year's. And they said, we have a solution. There will be water. And we talked to them again the day before New Year's. And they said and they no. sent out the alert, the, the alert the water. that the water was, that the price was going up three and a half times. And we said, we thought there was going to be water. They were like, so did we. So did we. That's the sound of residents from the Rio Verde Foothills community. You might have read the headlines or seen it on the news. A community desperately searching for a source of water before the city of Scottsdale leaves them high and dry. I'm really pissed off. I just, I just, it's, it's just human decency. No, about five to seven days of water left. On January 1st, the city of Scottsdale stopped transporting water to the Rio Verde foothills. This small community just north of Scottsdale is out of water. But why? And how did we get here? Welcome to The Gaggle, the Arizona Republic's political podcast. Each week, we take a closer look at the stories and issues that affect you as Arizona voters, with politicians, experts, and reporters. I'm producer Kaylee Monahan, filling in for Ron Hansen, who is off today. And joining me behind the mic is our county reporter, Sasha Hupka. Welcome back to The Gaggle, Sasha. Thanks so much for having me. So you've been following this story, and let's just start with the latest. The Rio Verde residents are suing the city of Scottsdale. Why? Well, to really answer that question, we've got to get technical for a minute here. Essentially, Rio Verde residents are searching for two solutions, a long-term plan that'll get them water and allow people to continue living there, and a short-term plan that'll have to do in the meantime. One idea for a long-term plan was a proposal to create a water taxing district, but that plan was unanimously voted down in August by the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. Supervisor Tom Galvin, who represents that district that the Rio Verde Foothills is in, voted against it after overseeing months of arguing between neighbors. He said he had concerns about the long-term viability of the body and its potential costs. And you spoke with many residents about that and this whole situation. Here are a few of them. And, and we're not even asking for Scottsdale's water. We're asking for Scottsdale to process other water that we would pay for so that our water haulers don't have to drive twice the distance at three times the cost and pass that on to us. Costs, at minimum, at minimum, the rates are going to at least double, if not more. It's really scary that we're even in this position. I, I can't believe the Board of Supervisors, Thomas Gallon, just dropped the ball like he did on us. The other option, which Galvin favored, is a long-term agreement with private water utility EPCOR. That solution is currently in the works, but the company is regulated by the state, which means the plan has to first go through Arizona's Corporation Commission. That's not a fast process. There's a few things EPCOR could do to provide water to the community. 
The cheapest and the fastest option is for the company to use Scottsdale's treatment facility and pipes. But other proposals are more complicated. So one would see Epcor drill a new well, add treatment capabilities, build a standpipe, and construct a separate water storage facility. It would cost $10 million before even factoring in the actual cost of water. That's a lot of money. None of these ideas have come to fruition yet. And there's no real short-term solution either. Rio Verde residents believe they can get some short-term water from sources beyond Scottsdale, and they've offered to pay the city to treat that water and allow it to flow to the Scottsdale-owned standpipe that the community has used for years. But Scottsdale refused that offer. So for right now, private haulers can still provide water to the roughly 1,000 people who rely on it in that area. But those sources are unstable. They can stop doing business with the haulers at any time. And that water has to be processed far away and then trucked all the way out to that community. So the cost of bringing water into Rio Verde has tripled. What is Scottsdale's response? Is the city council unified behind the decision to cut off the water? So far, it appears that way. There was one city councilwoman, Linda Milhaven, who has said that she sees opportunity for city leaders to swoop in as heroes in this story for the Rio Verde foothills and profit from the proposed plans. But her term actually ended recently, so she's no longer actually on the council. Meanwhile, Scottsdale Mayor David Ortega has been one of the most vocal opponents to helping Rio Verde. He's repeatedly said that he's a hard no on this issue. He said that he doesn't believe water is a compassion game. That's an actual quote from him. And to back that up, he's expressed concern over ongoing drought conditions on the Colorado River. He's said that he's opposed to allowing any water serving Rio Verde Foothill residents to flow through the city's water treatment plant in pipes. And he said that there's impacts to having these water hauling trucks on Scottsdale roads. He's also said that, quite frankly, the city gave the county and Rio Verde Foothills ample notice that it wasn't going to provide water or infrastructure forever. State Representative David Cook, a Republican, has also called out Scottsdale. He wrote in a letter to Scottsdale Mayor Ortega, quote, It is beyond me how a group of Arizona citizens could be put in such a position, end quote. And he goes on to wag his finger at the mayor, saying it's all elected officials' responsibility to care for and serve all citizens. And now, Representative Cook has pushed forward some legislation at the Capitol to address this. What is in that bill? So Cook's bill would make any city providing water to non-residents liable for fire damages, health problems, and attorney's fees if officials decide to turn off the taps. So essentially, that means that if there was a wildfire out by Rio Verde foothills, a bunch of houses got burned down, there was property damage, the city of Scottsdale under this bill would be responsible for that. The legislation, which applies to any municipality stopping water service on or after January 1st of this year, 2023, also stipulates that if a city reduces or stops water supply to non-residents, that must be matched by cutbacks or the end of water delivery to the city's mayor and council members. And Cook told me that the policy is directly targeted at Scottsdale, not that it's hard to figure out from looking at the text. And you have a clip from the phone conversation you had with Representative Cook. Let's take a listen. 
and I'm going to fight hard, especially for the $10 million. And, and I haven't talked to one Democrat or Republican that opposes it. Do you think this legislation has a chance of passing? It has buy-in from Speaker Toma, which could be a sign that it's got a chance at making it past the House. And Cook says he hasn't talked to a Republican or a Democrat who opposes it. But, of course, he's always going to say that it has support. He's the primary sponsor of the bill. But honestly, I'm not sure for the Rio Verde foothill situation if it immediately matters if it passes. All of this, Cook's letter, his legislation, the lawsuit from some Rio Verde residents, protests from some residents, it's all designed to put political pressure on Scottsdale to at least come to the table. And it appears that it might be working just a little bit. Ortega hasn't commented much on this whole situation, but he did tell us over the weekend that he's agreed to meet with Cook and some other stakeholders on January 20th. That's progress from a week ago. So let's back up a little bit. How did we get here? Did the Rio Verde community get any warning that this was going to happen, that the water supply was going to be shut off? And really, who's to blame? The community did have warning this was going to happen. Scottsdale has been warning for years that they couldn't provide water to this community forever. But the community continued to grow regardless. Rio Verde Foothills is on county land. It's near Scottsdale, but it's not part of it. There's a law that says if developers split properties fewer than six times to build new houses on unincorporated land, they aren't technically considered subdivisions. And so they have no requirement to assure a long-term water supply. These parcels are called wildcat subdivisions. And the county argues that they have no statutory authority to provide or regulate water. So they couldn't stop any of these new homes from going through. Once these homes were built, they were sold. And many residents say that they were told they were on hauled water, but assured by realtors and others that this was totally normal in Arizona and that the water would not ever get turned off. They say they've been blindsided by all of this. A lot of the folks up there aren't from Arizona. They're transplants from the East Coast or the Midwest. And that area is gorgeous. You've got views of Tom's Thumb and of the mountains, and it's really pretty. So it makes sense that people would want to live there. In terms of blame, that's a little bit of a more complicated question. Really, you can place the blame on a lot of different government entities, and residents most certainly have. As we've discussed heavily, a lot blame Scottsdale and particularly Ortega for this issue. Others who supported the taxing district say Galvin should have just approved that. They say that they were already beginning to work with Scottsdale and they believe the city wouldn't be so bullish on not helping them if they were working with the taxing district rather than EPCOR, which is a private company. Some say the supervisor before Galvin, Steve Chukri, passed the buck and didn't do enough to address the problem early on. And some say the state needs to step in to prevent wildcat subdivisions from being built in the first place. If you're talking to everybody from all sides and all perspectives of this, as I have, it might not be clear who gets the majority of the blame. There's plenty to go around. But what is clear is that this community has been totally ripped apart by this issue. And they need a solution because people can't live long term without a stable water supply. Mm -hmm, right. You and I have actually talked about unincorporated land before in a Valley 101 episode last year. But it's a very special 
sort of community to live in. Can you refresh us on why they don't get services like water from city of Scottsdale or really any other neighboring town or city that this sort of land would be next to? So essentially, unincorporated land just means that the land falls under county government because there's no city or municipality that those residents belong to. That means that they pay less in taxes and they don't have to deal with as much oversight, things like land use restrictions. So for instance, you can't have a gaggle of chickens and cows and horses at your condo in Scottsdale for obvious reasons. But in exchange for more freedom and less money going to the government, these people don't get access to the same services and amenities as city residents, like paved roads. And so what's next? Where does Rio Verde go from here? A lot depends on what happens in the next few weeks. We've got a corporation commission meeting coming up in late January that may give us a better idea of how an EPCOR long-term solution might play out. There's this meeting on January 20th with the city of Scottsdale, per Mayor Ortega, And there's the lawsuit against Scottsdale, which asks a judge to turn the water back on. And some residents are also suing to try and overturn the county board of supervisors' vote against a taxing district. That suit is scheduled for a hearing in late January. There's also the simple fact that this is starting to get a lot of attention. We've been covering it since the beginning, but national media outlets are beginning to do stories on it, and that also puts pressure on the politicians. Mm -hmm. Zooming out from Rio Verde and looking at the valley, the state really as a whole, there's a lot of concern about Arizona's future water situation. Just recently on the other end of the valley in Buckeye, that city is being told it doesn't have enough water to build the planned communities it has in mind. So does Rio Verde foreshadow what could happen elsewhere in the state? Or is this simply a situation that is all about water delivery issues. This absolutely foreshadows what could happen the next time another community runs out of water. Wildcat subdivisions aren't an uncommon thing here in Arizona. And with drought on the Colorado, water is a precious commodity. There are other places that could face a similar situation to Rio Verde. And in fact, one other kind of already did. That's the community of New River, where the city of Phoenix stopped providing water in 2017. There, EPCOR was able to step in to build a hauling station and provide water, albeit for a cost. But that situation was a little less complex than Rio Verde in terms of actually getting the water there. So the ramifications of this lawsuit against Scottsdale, which really asked the question, can a judge force a city to turn the water back on? And of Cook's legislation, does it actually pass? And for that matter, if it does pass, is it, you know, deemed constitutional? I imagine this is the type of thing where maybe there would be a legal challenge to this bill. All of that matters for the future. Mm. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it there. Sasha, thank you so much for analyzing and detailing this very complicated situation with us. Very happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. And I know you'll be continuing to follow the story as it unfolds. So where can people follow you and your work? I'm on Twitter. I'm at Sasha Hupka. My last name is H. U is an umbrella. P-K-A. And that wraps up this episode of The Gaggle. Do you have an Arizona political question of your own? Send it our way. Leave us a voicemail at 602-444-0804. 
or just email us a voice memo to thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com. Your question just might be the topic of our next episode. You can find out more about this story and all our political and local news on our website at azcentral.com. And don't forget to rate and review our show. And if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Today's episode was edited and produced by me, Kaylee Monahan. And you can find me on Twitter at Kaylee Monahan. That's K-A-E-L-Y-M-O-N-A-H-A-N. Don't forget to follow our host, Ron Hansen, as well. He's at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Thanks for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.